Exposition of Daniel by John Thomas. Section 34. The Times of the Kingdom of Babylon and of Judah. The idea prominently sustained throughout the book of Daniel is, as we have seen, one dominion under diverse administrations, styled the Kingdom of Men, or of Babylon, as opposed to the Kingdom of Judah, which is Yahweh's. Both these kingdoms have their times, or periods, during which their reigns are unrivalled. The two kingdoms, however, being essentially hostile and destructive of one another, it so happens that when one reigns prosperously, the other must be in adversity or extinct. This being the case, it is obvious that the prosperity of the two kingdoms must pertain to different and successive ages, and that the practising and prospering of the one is at the expense of the others. Now this is a truth that is self-evident to all acquainted with the history of Judah and the Gentiles, or other nations. From the celebrated Passover in the 18th of Josiah's reign to the present time has been a period of calamity for the Jews, and from the first of Nebuchadnezzar's, which was 17 years after, to the same epoch, a period of ascendancy and Gentile treading down for the Babylonian kingdom of men. During this long interval to 1868 of about 2,498 years, the stump of the Babylonish tree, banded with iron and brass, has continued with its roots in the earth. But when its time shall have passed over it, the stump of its roots will be removed, and the times of the reign of the kingdom of God will begin. These continue without change for a thousand years, at the end of which, perfection being attained, the constitution of the kingdom will be altered to meet the improved condition of the world. Thenceforth, all things will be permanent, and generations will cease to come and go. The unrighteous will have been exterminated, and the earth will be inhabited by immortals only, who will have attained to immortality upon the condition of believing heartily what God has promised and taught in his word, prophetically and apostolically ministered, and of doing what he there requires to be done. A kingdom having the invisible one in all for its king, the anointed one and his brethren for its princes, and the redeemed from among Israel and the nations during the previous thousand years for its nation of immortals, will be our globes, new heavens and earth, that shall never wax old nor vanish away. Its times, therefore, will be interminable, an idea expressed by the Chaldee phrase, during the age and during the age of the ages. Daniel 7 verse 18. But the times of the kingdom of Babylon cannot be calculated without reference to the times of Judah's adversity. The reason of this is that when these end, Israel's commander-in-chief and his associates at the head of the tribes begin the work of Babylon's destruction, which they accomplish 
in the time allotted for the restoration of the kingdom again to Israel. Hence, there is a parallelism between Babylon and Judah's times that must not be lost sight of. For Babylon is only a subject of prophecy so far as it is in opposition to the things of the kingdom of God. Now, the whole number of the times of the continuance of the kingdom of Babylon is seven times, and the whole number of the times at the end of which Judah's subjection to it shall cease is also seven. The truth of this in relation to Babylon appears from the sign recorded in the fourth chapter of Daniel. There, Babylon's dominion is represented by a tree so lofty that it was seen from the end of the earth. But it was revealed to Nebuchadnezzar by what happened to the tree and to himself that the dominion should not always continue in his family and the city he so proudly boasted of. He was, however, instructed by his seven years' expulsion from the throne and the kingdom, nevertheless being assured to him that though Babylon should cease to be the throne of the dominion, the Babylonish kingdom would exist in the earth for the period signified by the seven times, when it would become apparent to all the nations of the dominion that the heavens do rule. The seven times during which Nebuchadnezzar herded with the beasts were the sign period significative of a longer period than itself, yet containing within itself the elements of the calculation. A day for a year is a rule to which all prophetic times are reducible. In seven times, which are less than seven years, we have 2,520 days, which are prophetically equal to the same number of solar years. The end of these is the terminus of the times of the Babylonish kingdom of men, or of the stump of the Babylonian tree banded with iron and brass, that is, under its Latino-Greek constitution. Judah and his companions have also seven times allotted to them, before they can obtain deliverance from Babylonish oppression and reproach. This appears from the 26th chapter of Leviticus and the 18th verse, which I render as follows. If ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will increase to punish you seven times for your sins. This threat is repeated four several times in the same chapter. It cannot mean four distinct punishments of seven years each, or seven punishments. The history of the nation forbids this interpretation. It can therefore only signify that, if they would persist in their transgressions of the law, notwithstanding all the chastisements they experienced while living in Yahweh's sight upon his land, he would bring upon them a punishment of seven prophetic times duration, or 2,520 years. But at what national epoch should this 2,520 years of adversity commence? If they began with the end of the kingdom of the ten tribes of Israel, the 2,520 years of the scattering without any movement towards restoration would end in A.D. 1823. According to my chronology in Chronicon Hebraicon, the kingdom of Israel was abolished 
BC 697, in the year of the world's age 3392. The years before Christ deducted from 2520 give the AD 1823, the epoch of the sixth vial, in which the 1290 of Daniel 12 verse 11 terminated, and in which that determined began to be poured out upon the desolator of the land. Daniel 9.27 This would be the ending of the 2520. But if this be not a calculation upon correct data, then our inquiry is limited to the history of Judah subsequently to the expulsion of the ten tribes. After this calamity, the remnant of these tribes mingled themselves with Judah, and in their history we find nothing of any note as an epoch but the celebrated Passover in the 18th of Josiah's reign. Of this it is written, There was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. It was a royal effort to bring the nation to repentance, that the threatened chastisement of the law might be averted. Notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah. And he said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight, as I have removed Israel, and will cast off this city Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the temple of which I said, My name shall be there. In seventeen years after this, that is, in the first of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, the dominion of Babylon overshadowed the kingdom of Judah. The seven times had become current. Still in judgment, the God of Israel remembers mercy. For he says, If they shall confess their iniquity, and their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenants with Isaac and with Abraham will I remember, and I will remember the land. And yet for all that they have done, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly, and to break my covenant with them. For I am Yahweh, their Elohim. But the probability of Josiah's Passover being an epoch in Judah's calendar seems converted into certainty by Ezekiel. He says, Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year I was among the captives by the river of Kibar, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity. In another place he says, It came to pass in the seven and twentieth year the word of Yahweh came unto me. After identifying the thirtieth year with the fifth of Jehoiachin's captivity, he dates the communications he receives from Yahweh by the year of the captivity until the seven and twentieth, which was the sixteenth year after Jerusalem was smitten. This seems to have been the latest, which was therefore the fifty-second year from the Passover. But why did he not continue to date from the Passover instead of from the captivity? The reason was evidently because, as the captivity was for seventy years, he preferred to mark its diminution 
for the encouragement of his brethren, than to note the lapse of time from the Passover, which being the epoch of a long series of ages, was calculated to depress the national mind by reminding it of the remoteness of its deliverance. The thirtieth year period is thus accounted for. Josiah reigned thirty-one years, and the Passover being in the eighteenth year of his reign, a remainder is left of thirteen years. Jehoahaz, his son, reigned three months. He was succeeded by his brother Jehoiakim, who reigned eleven years. Next was Jehoiachin, who reigned three months and three days, and was then carried off to Babylon, and Zedekiah set up in his place. Here were twenty-nine years, six months, and ten days, inclusive of the fifth of Jehoiachin's captivity, or the thirtieth from the Passover, as Ezekiel states. That is, BC 598. Seeing then that he has made it a point of departure for a calculation of years, upon this basis the 2520 would end AD 1892. For the Great Passover occurred BC 628, which deducted from the period gives the Annus Domini stated for the end. Another epoch, however, must be sought for the commencement of Babylon's 2,520 years. These are Babylon's seven times in its relation to Judah, and must therefore be calculated from the epoch of Judah's first subjection to its dominion. This happened in the fourth of Jehoiakim's reign, which was also the first of Nebuchadnezzar's and BC 611. In this year, Jeremiah prophesied that Judah and the surrounding nations should be subject to the king of Babylon for seventy years, and that at the end of these, in the reign of his grandson, many nations and great kings should serve themselves of him, that is, make the Babylonish kingdom their own, all of which has come to pass to the very letter. There seems to be a remarkable fitness in commencing the seven times of the kingdom of Babylon with the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, inasmuch as he may be regarded as the second, or modern, founder of the state, Nimrod being the first. Is not this great Babylon, said he, that I have built for the capital of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honour of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High hath power over the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Admitting then these epochs for a beginning, Judah's seven times will terminate in the AD 1892, and Babylon's AD 1908. Judah's period is thus spoken of by Hosea, I will be unto Ephraim, saith Yahweh, as a lion, and as a young lion, to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away, I will take away, and none shall rescue. I will go and return to my place, till they acknowledge their offence, and seek my face. In their affliction they will seek me early. This is their seven times condition. The particular affliction 
called in Jeremiah the time of Jacob's trouble, has not yet come upon them. Alas, he exclaims, in the prospect of it, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith Yahweh Tzavaoth, that I will break his, the Russo-Gogian autocrats, yoke from off thy neck, and will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of Jacob, but they shall serve Yahweh their Elohim, and the beloved their king, whom I will raise up unto them from the dead. This is the time of trouble spoken of by Daniel, and yet future. Now, in view of this, Hosea represents them as saying to one another, Come, and let us return unto Yahweh, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us, in the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. These days are three periods of a thousand years each. The two days are past, and the nation is now in the third day of its smitten condition, 2,497 years of the seven times having passed away. The posterity of Jacob have advanced 497 years into the third day. Thus it is that as the beloved, or Eith Dawid, their king, was raised up bodily in the third day, so after the similitude thereof shall his nation be politically, and many of them as literally as he, raised up to live in Yahweh's sight, that is, in their fatherland, in the current day of the seven times. Woe be to the kingdom of Babylon when the political resurrection of Israel occurs, for much torment and sorrow are decreed against its populations during the last forty years of its existence. This will appear from the testimony of Micah. The prophet, in behalf of his countrymen, supplicates Yahweh, saying, Feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitary in the wood, alone and not reckoned of the nations, in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. To this Yahweh replies, According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him, Israel, marvellous things. The nations shall see, and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth, their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their strongholds as creeping things of the earth. They shall be afraid of Yahweh, our Elohim, and shall fear because of thee. O Israel, there can be no mistake here. History proves that since the prophet wrote this, it has never come to pass. It is therefore in the future. Israel were forty years passing from Egypt to Canaan. They will consequently be forty years in passing from their enemies' lands of the Babylonian dominion into the Holy Land to dwell there as an independent nation. In this their transit through the wilderness of the people, they will have to fight their way, and in so doing 
make the Babylonian nations lick the dust like a serpent, a phrase very appropriate to the prostration of the serpent power. Here, then, are forty years to be deducted from the seven times of Babylon for the period during which the holy ones and their people are taking away its dominion to consume and destroy it unto the end. This brings us back from AD 1908 to AD 1868. But before Israel and the Holy Ones can enter upon this work, Michael, the great commander, must stand up, and the Holy Ones must be raised from the dead, and a communication must be established between Israel and the land of their enemies and their future commanders. For the reason given for their fighting against the sons of Greece is because Yahweh is with them and shall be seen over them. The Lord then will have come as the Ancient of Days at some time soon after 1868. How is that epoch to be approached? In reply to this inquiry, it may be remarked that nothing can be done by Israel without the saints or holy ones. Therefore it must be ascertained what is testified of them, that it may be seen, if possible, when they appear upon the arena of debate. 